And let me say a prayer for my friend Mark here. Uh, God, thank you for this, um, uh, this pastor, uh, this man who has given his life to you. And thank you uh, for a family that values you so well and uh, has raised him up in, in such a good manner. I want to pray a blessing over him this morning that he speak your word, uh, that the spirit uh, empty him of himself and uh, fill him up uh, with the words and the, uh, the things that we need to hear this morning to be drawn closer to you. I pray that blessing over him in Jesus name. Amen. All righty. Sounds like I can hear myself, so there's a good chance you can hear me. Uh, yeah, I'm Mark Marola. Uh, I'm really excited to be preaching today. I was just really inspired by this community sharing that we just did. It's really awesome to hear all of you uh, share about what God's doing in your lives. And today I'm preaching about how God uses the church to speak to us. And so I think that it was just kind of this cool reminder of how powerful God can really be when he uses his church. Uh, I'm going to pray real quick. Uh, God, I pray that you would uh, cause your spirit to rest on me and on this church and that we would uh, really just learn from you today. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. All righty. So like I said, today I'm going to be preaching on the spiritual discipline of guidance. Uh, we've been doing this sermon series of looking at some various spiritual disciplines, uh, different ways that we can connect with God. And I think one of the most important uh, of those is the question of guidance, of how does God guide us? How do we discern God's will for our lives? And uh, I'm going to narrow in on one particular topic uh, within that vein, because there's a lot of different ways that God speaks to us. Uh, he does that through scripture and meditation and prayer, through the circumstances of our lives. He can do that through more exotic means like visitations and dreams, visions. Um, but I think one of the most important ways that he does that is through his church, as we have just seen through community sharing and all of us have the spirit. All of us can speak into one another's lives. And so I want to start by just doing sort of a 20,000 foot overview, remembering why the church is so important. Uh, so I would really define the church as God's chosen vessel for interacting with humanity. It's a gathered people that we all come together and God has sent us out on a mission to the world until he comes again. So the first place we see a gathered community uh, under God is in Exodus, when God takes the people of Israel out of Egypt, and they all see God's presence. They all see the cloudy pillar and the fiery uh, pillar. They see God's spirit among them. They hear his voice as he invites them to follow him and to be a people under his reign. Uh, Peter quotes from Exodus when he announces in 2 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into light. And so that's us, the gathered people all the way from Israel until the church uh, that Jesus instituted under his rule continuing today. And I was reading a book recently uh, that kind of is a poetic reflection on Revelation called Reverse Thunder. 
And it had this really powerful image of the church that I wanted to share with you, which is that uh, at the beginning of Revelation, we see Jesus exalted, uh, burning like the sun. There's a sword coming out of his mouth. He's holding stars and there's angels around him. He's holding a key to uh, heaven. Jesus in all of his glory. And he's going to announce his revelation for all people of what's going to uh, of, of what things he plans for the world. And before he does that, he first addresses the church. He addresses seven churches. And he calls the churches lampstands. Uh, a lampstand's purpose is to give light. And it doesn't really matter what the lampstand looks like. The lampstand can be pure gold. The lampstand can be tarnished and broken. But as long as it's still standing there and giving out Jesus' light to the rest of the world, the lampstand is accomplishing its purpose. That's the church. A lampstand that isn't designed to bring attention to itself, but to spread that light to the rest of the world. And then uh, Jesus himself with his own words in Matthew 18, 19, 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And so I think that there's something uniquely powerful about when we as Christians gather together, both for these large services and small groups and one-on-ones, in these times when we come together, Jesus is there with us in a special way that uh, really can even surpass our individual experiences with God. And I think we know this individual, or we know this theologically, but I think that individualism still finds ways to creep its way into our lives. Uh, America, as we know, is a fairly individualistic nation, maybe extremely so. Uh, we like to be very self-dependent, uh, and that, I think, can really play into the way that we uh, encounter God as well. And we sometimes think of our relationship with God primarily as me and him and forget about all the people around us. Granted, that is important that it is a personal relationship, but I think the church as well is an important part of that. And so I see this in myself when, uh, personally, I will just sometimes kind of forget what church is for. Um, I'll show up and I see people, and I really love uh, all of you, and I really like enjoy getting to spend time with you, but when I come to church, I sometimes find myself not coming with the imminent expectation to hear God's Spirit speaking through you all. And I think that that can be something that I can reflect on and that we as a church can reflect on, that when we come, we are expecting to hear God's Spirit speak through us. Uh, C.S. Lewis has this really powerful image in the screw tape letters where uh, he kind of points out that this man is looking at the church and seeing uh, just a bunch of people that he knows, grocers, teachers, normal people that live somewhat sinful lives but still show up on a Sunday to do some stuff. But he points out that when the demons look at that, they see the church throughout all time, terrible as an army with banners, they, uh, the image says, because the church really is powerful. It's God's chosen vessel to communicate his will to humanity. And I think uh, one of the areas that we can see the danger of individualism in interacting with each other one-on-one -on -one is in this language of 
uh, God told me something. Uh, and so that can be a case where uh, I go to somebody who is a wise counselor and is offering me advice. Um, but as soon as the person receiving advice says, oh, God told me blank. God told me to go do this thing. God told me to go do that. I had this personal revelation. It really shuts down any authority the other Christian has to speak into uh, the life of the one asking for wisdom and asking for insight. And I think that that can sometimes be a way in which we kind of escape listening to wise counsel that we don't want to listen to. We say, oh, well, I was praying and I read scripture and this is my interpretation. This is what I want to do. Um, and so we need to be careful of that. We need to be willing to listen to wise counsel, be willing to listen to our mentors and, uh, and make sure that we allow them to have uh, the authority to speak into our lives. And then one other area I've just noticed, uh, sort of the language of individualism creep in. And I don't uh, want to specifically call out anyone in this church, uh, but I have noticed that, uh, or was pointed out to me by uh, a Christian I knew back in UT Dallas uh, at the BSM, that a lot of our worship music, modern worship music, uses a lot of eyes and me's. It tends to be pretty individualistic. And when you think about it, we as a gathered community you uh, are here to gather together to worship together. I think that that individualistic language can be really helpful for when we uh, are worshiping at home alone. But what if we did involve more of that? We together are here to worship you, God. Um, and so I don't think that that means that we're not having that attitude when we worship. But I think that language is just something that we can think about. Uh, even in the Lord's Prayer, God gives us this pluralistic language of our Father in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We pray communally. And I think that uh, just that language difference can be an indication of maybe uh, that individualism in our lives. Uh, and then I want to share a couple of really cool examples from Acts that have inspired me of God's Spirit speaking to and through the church. Uh, the first is in Acts 13, uh, 1 through 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set aside for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so here we see the church has come together. They are fasting and praying. They are waiting to hear God's voice. They are waiting to hear the Holy Spirit speak. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit sets aside Barnabas and Saul, and that really begins the entire... Paul's missionary journeys, which changed the entire Western world. Uh, and then another really cool uh, example of God's Spirit speaking into the early church was that the, one of the biggest issues that the early church confronted was the question of whether to allow Gentiles into the church without being circumcised. It was a huge issue. It appears over and over in Paul's letters and in the book of Acts. And so the solution to that is that the early church held a council at Jerusalem uh, 
where they gather together not to take a vote, not to have one person lay down the law that all the churches would follow, but to gather together to listen to the Holy Spirit to determine what his will was. And at the conclusion of that, which is really a high watermark in the book of Acts, they send out this letter to all of the churches that says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. And so we see here that they are able to resolve one of the hardest issues of their day by listening to the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a really powerful example to us that maybe as we confront the hardest issues of our day, we communally can listen to God's spirit and God's going to give us answers. He wants to do that. Uh, and so I'm going to move now into some practicals. Uh, and I want to uh, do this with a lot of humility. Uh, our leaders and elders really love us and have thought about the ways that our church operates with a lot of humility and a lot of uh, good thoughts. And I'm going to challenge some of that, but also recognize that they really do have our best interest in mind. Uh, so two places where I think God speaks to us are in our individual lives and in our community life. Uh, and so the Spirit speaks to individuals through the church. Uh, one historical example of that is uh, a monk by the name of St. Francis, uh, and he was trying to decide whether to only uh, focus on prayer and meditation, uh, like a lot of monks of the time, or also to engage in preaching missions. And uh, he didn't trust his own ability to hear the Spirit, but decided to rely on others around him. Uh, he was a man of God. Certainly he could hear God's Spirit, but he decided to trust others uh, as the example throughout church history was. And so he asked two of his closest friends, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, to uh, basically pray on his behalf and ask God, what do you want me to do in this circumstance? And the two friends sent him a messenger. He received the messenger, washed the messenger's feet, provided a meal to him, and then kneeled before him and asked, what does my Lord require? And the messenger said, uh, you should go and do preaching missions because the gospel is not for you alone, but for all people. And I think, and that gave the Franciscan order a really powerful uh, outwards movement that was relatively unique to some of the monastic movements at the time. And I think that that's a pretty cool example. Wouldn't it be cool if the next time we had to make a major decision, uh, deciding uh, to change jobs or to move or whether to do something in ministry or how to spend my money, if I invited over a couple of trusted godly friends, prepared a meal for them, made them dinner, and then ask them, hey, these are the circumstances of my life. Can you speak into that? I think those types of things would be really, really powerful of getting to serve the people around us and also letting them speak into our lives. Uh, and we also, uh, I want to really hit on something that we've been as a church focusing on for a little while now, which is 
that we want to gr continue to grow in our one-on-one -on -one relationships. We've had this language of uh, have a Paul in your life, somebody who is mentoring you, who has walked with the Lord uh, for a long time and has a lot of wisdom to impart to your life. Uh, have a Barnabas in your life, somebody who uh, is a great friend and will walk alongside you and encourage you. I think JVR said you're homie in the faith. Uh, and have a Timothy in your life, somebody who you are helping to raise up and mentor and encourage as they learn to walk alongside God. Um, this spiritual mentorship, one-on-one -on -one relationships, they really are at the heart of our church and I believe at the heart of what Jesus did when he was here on earth. Uh, and another uh, experience I had recently that I was really encouraged by was we were at having a worship night just about a month ago, uh, and uh, we had this time of prayer, and Steon, Justin, and I were all praying together. And Steon brought this uh, sort of calling to us where he had felt like God was calling him to uh, give up work in order to focus more on uh, focus ministry for a period of time. And it was really cool because... Justin was able to speak into that to confirm the Spirit's call on his life, and Sion was able to respond in a really cool manner. That was just like this really, I don't know, eye-opening opportunity to me of, oh, wow, this is what it looks like when we speak into each other's lives or able to confirm the Spirit's calling. And then uh, another area that uh, I believe the Spirit speaks to us is in the Spirit leading us as an entire community. And uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from uh, this Celebration of Discipline book that Melissa uh, referenced last week. Uh, it's a really influential book in my life, really good, highly recommend it. But he shares the story of uh, back in 1758, uh, the Quakers were facing one of the hardest issues of their day as Christians, which was what to do with slaves, because many of them were slave owners, but they were trying to decide, okay, we don't think this agrees with Scripture biblically, but like getting rid of them is also really hard. And so they gathered together, similar to the Council of Jerusalem, with the intent to listen, to pray, to speak to one another, and to uh, determine God's Spirit's uh, voice in the matter. And the result was uh, the entire yearly meeting melted into a spirit of unity as a result of this compassionate witness. They responded as one voice to remove slavery from their midst. John Greenleaf Whittier states that those sessions must ever be regarded as one of the most important religious convocations in the history of the Christian church. The United decision is particularly impressive when we recognize that the Society of Friends was the only body that asked slaveholding members to reimburse their slaves for their time in bondage. It is also striking to realize that under the promptings of the spirit, Quakers had voluntarily done something that not one of the anti-slavery revolutionary leaders, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry, was willing to do so. Uh, so influential was the United Decision of 1758 that by the time of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, Quakers had completely freed themselves from the institution of slavery. Uh, and so I think that there are 
ways in which our church can do that. Uh, I don't fully know what those are yet. Uh, I want to allow this to be an inspiration to your imaginations to think about the ways that we as a church can make church decisions that allow us to listen to the Spirit. Uh, I think the way we currently tend to do things is that the elders and the staff uh, will come up with ideas, listening to the Spirit, listening to all of us together, and then uh, sort of presenting those ideas and responding in that way. And I think that's a really powerful way to do that. But I think when we encounter the hardest issues of our time, maybe there are opportunities for us to gather together. I think that God's Spirit is going to uh, speak into some of those. Some of those uh, that we encounter now, I think, are things like how to respond to COVID, I think, uh, and specifically us sort of breaking out of that. Uh, some of the biggest political issues of our time uh, as we decide to start new churches or to uh, purchase buildings and those sorts of things, I think all of those are opportunities where maybe we as a community can have, can listen to the Spirit collectively. And I think there are a few dangers that need to be pointed out when we're thinking about uh, the corporate guidance. Uh, the first is just that authority uh, can be used improperly. When we're having these one-on-one -on -one relationships, it is possible to uh, use Christian authority to basically say, oh, like, God gave me the Spirit, and I say, you do this. And I think that Melissa spoke on submission last week in a really powerful way of showing, no, that's not how Christian authority works. Uh, we do... Uh, we submit to one another in the same way Jesus submitted. And so we lead through submission and we receive through submission. And the other danger is this, that uh, the churches of throughout history, we can be a hard-hearted and a stiff-necked people. Uh, and so leaders sometimes must act uh, and say, hey, you as a church are not listening to the Spirit right now, and these are the things we're going to do to get the flock back on track, headed in the right direction. Uh, and so, sort of in conclusion, uh, I've just been really inspired both today and recently by the importance of the church, of God has set this body of believers in place throughout the world to do his work. This is his way of communicating his will to the world. When non-Christians think about who God is, the first thing they're going to see is us. That we should be alert to some of the dangers of individualism uh, within our own lives, and that we should uh, make sure that we are connected to the body, that we uh, have a Paul and a Barnabas and a Timothy in our lives, that we seek out mentorship and that we offer mentorship and spiritual uh, help to others, that we want to be disciples who make disciples. Uh, and that some of these ideas that I presented as practical ways to live, uh, I would just really encourage you to think about some of those, to be creative, to be imaginative, talk through these with one another, and think through uh, some of the different ways that we as a church can be better at listening to the Holy Spirit communally. Uh, and I'm going to pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for bringing us your church and for 
allowing us to be a part of what you're doing here on Earth. I pray that you would uh, give us insight into your will and your ways, and I pray that we would learn to uh, discern that in the, uh, the people around us. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.